Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending us Jesus, who came to seek and save the lost. Lord, uh, who instead of uh, remaining in heaven with you, seated at your right hand, chose to humble himself, taking on our form, becoming one of us, and becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And so, Lord, we just we, we marvel at that love that Jesus showed us in choosing to humble himself and in dying for us. And so, Heavenly Father, as, as we seek to follow after him and, and learn what it means to, to be his disciple, Lord, would, would you just use your word this morning to teach and instruct us on what it means to uh, return our love to the Jesus who loved us so deeply. And so, Lord, we just thank you for his love. We thank you for your love for us that was shown in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross. And we just pray that you would send your Holy Spirit on us now, Lord, and just speak to our hearts this morning through your word. Instruct us, equip us, fill us up, and send us out in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Well, we are in uh, week two of a, a series called The Great Co-Mission, um, where we're spending uh, a few weeks uh, talking about the, the mission that Jesus has entrusted us with as his church. Um, and to do that, we're breaking down the Great Commission uh, that we find in Matthew chapter 28, piece by piece, and, and we're asking how we are supposed to live it out, uh, both in our personal lives uh, and in our life together as a church. Um, so to uh, refresh ourselves on Jesus' words to his disciples in, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, um, let's just read it together one more time. Joe, do we still have that uh, on the, the screen there? So let's just read uh, Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20 together, just to give ourselves a little refresher here. Joe's getting it for us. Sorry, Joe. I, I should have told you to put it up there. <laughs> All right, let's read together. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Can we give Joe a hand this morning for putting up with me? Okay. <laughs> Those are, those are unsung heroes in the back, and they have a thankless job, so we need to make sure we recognize them uh, on a regular basis. But anyway, uh, so if you recall last week, uh, we said that, uh, that those words um, are called the Great Commission um, because they are a command um, from Jesus to his disciples. That's what a commission is, is a command. Um, so that means that, that for us, uh, th that command is not optional, all right? If we're followers of Jesus, uh, that is what we're supposed to do. Um, and secondly, it's not only a commission, but it is a co-mission, hence the name of this sermon series, uh, that Jesus calls us to participate in his mission, right? It's a co-mission, which, which his mission is to usher in uh, the reign of God's kingdom on earth. 
earth. So over the next few weeks, um, we're going to be breaking down each part of the Great Commission. Um, and this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at, at Jesus' second statement in the Great Commission, which is, therefore, uh, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, now, of course, this statement follows Jesus' first statement that, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Uh, so that means that because all authority has been given to Jesus, uh, he's able to make this command to go and make disciples of all nations. And if we accept Jesus as our authority, which is what we talked about last week, accept, accepting Jesus as our authority, our Lord, uh, it follows that, that we will accept this statement as a direct command from Jesus uh, to be followed and carried out. Um, but when it comes to, to following this command, I, I think most people um, who call themselves Christians understand the basic idea uh, that we're supposed to make disciples. Um, but, but what we may not understand quite as clearly is, is what a disciple is. Because I think this word has become um, what uh, uh, Dr. Sandra Richter, uh, uh, professor at uh, Wheaton College, she calls it biblish which is like one of these Bible words that we kind of throw around and we use it a lot, but we're not really clear on what exactly it means. And I think that's true of the word disciple. Um, is we talk about being a disciple of Jesus and we vaguely know that it has something to do with following Jesus, but when it comes to how that is lived out in our lives or what it actually look, looks like, we're a little less clear um, on that. Um, and until we have a, a clear understanding of what it actually means to be a disciple of Jesus, I don't think we're going to really be able to effectively carry out his command uh, to make disciples. Uh, it's kind of like learning a, a new skill for the first time, right? We're talking about fishing this morning. Um, you know, if some, somebody can tell you to do something, but if you don't even understand the words that they're saying, um, you're not going to be able to do what they tell you to do. So imagine that, that Chuck... Uh, takes me out fishing for the first time, um, and I've never been fishing before. And as we're getting our poles ready, he tells me to rig my line with a number two hook and fasten it with a palmer knot. Now, Chuck, I know you don't use a palmer knot, but just pretend you do for this situation. So uh, now, if I've never been fishing before, you know, I'll know that a fishing pole uh, should probably have a hook on it, but I likely won't know what a number two hook looks like, and I certainly won't know how to tie a palmer knot. And the same goes for making disciples of Jesus, right? We might know in general terms what a disciple is, but until somebody, until somebody teaches us what it actually means to be a disciple, uh, we certainly won't be able to, to make a disciple. Um, so, so in other words, we, we have to first connect with Jesus uh, before we can connect other people to Jesus, we first have to connect with Jesus before we can connect other people to Jesus. Um, so in order to, to kind of better understand um, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to put some clarity around this word that has otherwise kind of become biblish to us, um, I'd like to take a, another look at that Matthew 4, 18 through 22 um, and zoom in on verse 19 of that passage. Uh, because uh, I believe in verse 19, Jesus gives us a definition uh, of what it means to be his disciple. Um, it, it, he says to, to Peter and Andrew in that verse, he says, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. 
all right? So in this, this statement of Jesus, he teaches us that a disciple is primarily three things. It's a, a person who is following Jesus, it's a person who is being changed by Jesus, and then it's a person who is on mission uh, with Jesus. Um, so I'd like to just talk about each of those things individually uh, this morning. So let's, let's start with uh, a disciple as a person who is following Jesus. Um, because that's Jesus' first command um, to any of his disciples when he calls them, is simply, follow me. Uh, right? And in every case, uh, the, the response of his apostles, the twelve, was, was to leave their old lives behind uh, and to follow wherever Jesus led. Right? So, so Peter and Andrew, when he issued that call, they left their nets. Uh, James and John, in the same passage, uh, leave their father. Matthew, he left his tax booth. Right? So they, they all leave their old lives behind and, and follow Jesus into a new life. Um, and they were only able to, to follow Jesus into a new life because they made the choice to leave their old lives behind. And when, when it comes to our own lives, I think a good question to, to ask yourself when it comes to uh, your own commitment to following Jesus is, would I give up my life as I know it today uh, if that is what Jesus required of me to follow him? Now, chances are Jesus may not require that of you to follow him, but that's a good question to ask ourselves to gauge our commitment to following Jesus. Would I give up my life today as I know it, as I know it, all right? So, uh, and that's a tough question. You know, if you think about the, the story of the, the rich young man uh, that came to Jesus in, in Matthew 19, he came to Jesus and, and he asked Jesus, he, he said, teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life, right? And, and Jesus replies, of course, he says, there, there's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the, the commandments, and he keeps pressing Jesus. He goes, well, well which commandments? Right? Because clearly he, he wanted to build his case before Jesus. And so, of course, Jesus kind of gives a summary of the, the commandments. And, and the, the guy goes, well, I've kept all of those things. What do I still lack? What do I need to do? And, of course, Jesus answered him. He, he says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then... Come follow me. Right? And, and when the young man heard that, he went away sad because he had a lot of wealth. We don't know how he responded. But you see, the, the young man in that story was, was concerned with building a case for his righteousness before Jesus. But Jesus was more concerned with what had such a hold on this young man's life that it would prevent this young man from following him fully. Because I'm sure he was a, a wonderful guy who, who was perfectly nice and, and lived a, a good life, but his wealth was the thing that was keeping him from following Jesus, and, and Jesus knew that. He said, you can build the case before me all you want, but until you sell all you have, give to the poor, you cannot be my disciple. And we see Jesus doing that throughout the Gospels, is, is telling people what was standing in the way of them fully following after Jesus. In 2001, the, the Barna Group did a, a nationwide survey in which they asked people to describe their, their goals in life. Um, and four out of ten people uh, who took this survey identified themselves as, as personally committed uh, to Jesus Christ. 
Uh, some of these people were pastors. Um, others were staff at a church. And, and others were even active churchgoers. But, but not get this, not one person who took that survey said that their goal in life was to be a committed follower of Jesus or to make disciples. Not even the pastors who took that survey. Not a single one said that their goal in life was either to follow Jesus or to make disciples. So if that was 2001, just think of what the responses might be like today. I mean, church, this, this should really wake us up and, and concern us, right? Because it's fine to have life goals. There's nothing wrong with having goals in your life. But if your main goal in life is not to follow where Jesus leads, then, then how could we possibly expect to lead others into following Jesus? You see what we're getting at here? In order to carry out Jesus' command to make disciples, we have to first be committed to, to being a disciple and following Jesus in the first place. All right. So that, that leads us to the second thing that a disciple is, which is a, a disciple is, is one who is being changed uh, by Jesus. So, so when, when Peter uh, called, or I'm sorry, when Jesus called Peter and Andrew, um, he didn't just leave his call at follow me. Uh, he followed it up with, with a statement that he would make them into something that they were, were not currently. Right? They were fishing for fish, but Jesus would, would make Peter and Andrew into fishers of people. You know, they, they would only become fishers of people if they submitted themselves to Jesus' teaching and obeyed Him. So He wanted to make them into something that they were not currently. He wanted to change them. And, and this calls to mind a truth about following Jesus, is that the grace of Jesus meets us where we're at, but it doesn't leave us there. Amen? It meets us where we're at, but it does not leave us there. And we see this principle at play in a story we find in John chapter 8, where Jesus was in the temple courts and he was teaching, and teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman to him caught in the act of adultery. Uh, right, and, and uh, they, they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, they, they said, Teacher, uh, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And of course, they were trying to, to trap Jesus. But Jesus stoops down and he starts to write in the ground with his finger. And they kept questioning him, but he stood up and he, he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And so then he stoops down and he keeps on writing. And one by one, they began to drop their stones and walk away until it was just Jesus and this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And, and Jesus straightened up again and he said, Woman, where are they? Has, no, has nobody condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Listen to this. He says, Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. So the grace of Jesus meets us where we're at. The grace of Jesus met this woman exactly where she was at in her sin. But he didn't leave her there. He said, Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave 
your life of sin. In the cross, we, we find Jesus meeting us with that same level of grace. Instead of condemning us in our sin, Jesus died for our sins so that we might have forgiveness from God. Jesus justifies us from our sin, right? He, we, don't, we're, we're, we no longer have to pay the, the penalty of our sin, but, but rather we are justified from it. We are washed clean uh, by the blood of Jesus, and that's good news. But, but church, hear this. Jesus does not want to justify us in our sin. He wants to justify us from it. He doesn't want us to remain in our sin and say, well, I guess it's okay that I can just kind of keep living however I want because Jesus is going to forgive me. But rather, He wants us to go and leave our life of sin. And through His Holy Spirit, He gives us the power to do that. He gives us freedom from the previous life that we were living, that our past, not, not only does our past guilt no longer have a bearing on us, but the, all of the sins that used to own us and control us and drive our lives no longer have a bearing on us because we have been given freedom in Jesus. And that is good news. Amen, church? So Jesus meets us where we're at, but he doesn't leave us there. And that's the second thing that it means to, to follow Jesus. Uh, Shane, Shane Bishop, pastor of Christ Church in, in Fairview Heights, Illinois, over by, uh, by St. Louis, he says this. He, he says, The same God who forgives you when you sin can give you the power to overcome temptation. We may never be sinless, but we can certainly sin less. I love that. We may never be sinless, but we can certainly sin less. Because remember, a disciple is one who is being changed by Jesus. Changed by Jesus. Leaving that old life of sin behind. Finally, a, a disciple is one who is on mission with Jesus. So Jesus uh, told Peter and Andrew uh, that, that he would make them fishers of people. So, so in other words, he had a mission for them to carry out. To, to share the good news of the kingdom with God or the kingdom of God with people who were lost and needed to be found. In, in Luke 19:11, Jesus tells Zacchaeus that, that he has come to seek and save the lost. That was Jesus' mission statement for his life on earth, to seek and save the lost. And Jesus invites us to, to participate in that mission as well. And I, I think in a nutshell, if I had to boil it down to, to simple words, the mission of the church is to connect people to Jesus. It's as simple as that. The mission of the church is to connect people to Jesus. You know, when you get down to the heart of, of the Great Commission, that's what it's all about. Connecting people to Jesus, whether it's connecting people to, to Jesus for the first time or, or helping people continue to connect to Jesus along their, their journey in following him, that the mission of the church is always to connect people to Jesus. And each of us here this morning has a part to play in that mission. In his writing on the Great Commission, author and theologian R.C. Sproul talks about going on a trip to Israel and, and seeing people in civilian clothing walking down the street with guns over their shoulders. Uh, not only that, but, but even men on the beaches in, in bathing suits uh, with submachine guns strapped across their, their bodies. Uh, 
Uh, and this is because the residents of Israel need to be prepared uh, for the possibility of military conflict at any moment. Uh, you know, in fact, upon graduating high school, every male uh, is required to enter the military for three years uh, and every female for two years. And his point in, in bringing this up as it relates to the Great Commission was that just as the residents of Israel always have to be prepared for military conflict, the church must always be prepared to be mobilized for the sake of Jesus and the gospel. And he then goes on to call attention to the unfortunate fact that, that many churches believe that they can outsource the work of the Great Commission to pastors or church staff. You know, that instead of all of us carrying out the, the work that Jesus commands, many churches often resort to thinking that making disciples is the work of the pastor or the staff of the church. But this world, this would be as ridiculous as, as you know, an army whose, whose general was the only person in the fight. It doesn't work like that. You know, common sense tells us that in order for an army to be effective, uh, it, it has to have troops who are skilled, trained, and mobilized. And the same goes for the church. You know, if a church believes that, that carrying out the Great Commission is the job of the pastor and not their job as well, they will not be effective. But if everyone owns their responsibility and their part in carrying out that mission, we will be a force to be reckoned with. Amen? Amen. We all have a part to play in connecting people to Jesus. So this morning, I'd simply like for you to consider your own walk with, with Jesus and how you're doing um, in each of these three areas that we've kind of covered this morning. So just a few questions for consideration. You know, first, are, are you willing to follow where Jesus leads? Are you willing to follow where Jesus leads? Or are you currently following your own lead? You know, if, if you're following your own lead, what things stand in the way of you following Jesus? What things stand in the way? Second, are you willing to be changed by Jesus? You know, instead of, of justifying the sin that exists in your life, are you willing to be justified by Jesus who frees you from the power of that sin and raises you up to, to leave your old life of sin behind and walk in newness of life with Him? And then third, are you willing to participate in the work that Jesus wants to share with you? Are you willing to play your part in Jesus' work of seeking and saving the lost, connecting people to Jesus as you live out his call to be a fisher for people? I pray that today we, we would kind of evaluate our own commitment to being a true disciple of Jesus because remember, we need to connect with Jesus before we can connect people to Jesus. Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this word this morning. Lord, for this uh, call from Jesus to follow him, to, to make us into to something uh, that we are, are not currently. Lord, to, to remake us in his image and, and to share with us his work of seeking and saving the lost. Lord, we are, we are humbled by such a call from Jesus to follow after him that we might be fishers of people. 
Lord, I pray that, that in our own walks with you, Lord, that, that we would commit ourselves to following Jesus, to being changed by Jesus, and, and to share in his work that more and more people might come to know Jesus through us, through your church. And Heavenly Father, I, I just pray that, that Lord, as, as we prepare to go from this place today, Lord, that, that we would know that, that we go with this command from Jesus to make disciples. That we would know that, that we go with this call from Jesus to follow after Him. That we would take those things seriously. Lord, that they would be central to, to who we are, to, to how we order our lives, to what we pursue. Lord, that, that everything in our lives would be ordered around our relationship with Jesus. So Lord, would, would you just keep us connected with Jesus that we might connect others to him? And I pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.